You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. All right, let's take our Bible, turn back to Ephesians chapter 5. Launching off from here in our series on the family. Started this series a couple weeks ago, looking at the husband's responsibility and father's responsibility to his children. And tonight we're going to look at the wives. Now here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to say tonight, well, I'm not a wife, so I don't have to listen. Don't do that. God gives us opportunities throughout our Christian life to disciple and share the Lord with others. And so what you learn tonight, whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're young or whether you're old, will help you, even if you're not married, even if you're not a wife, it can help you in your own personal life. It can also help you to help others as well. If you're here tonight and you're single, you probably want to be married someday. I spoke in the Christian school for two days and I asked them, how many of you want to be married someday? They all want to be married someday. Guys, what we're going to talk about tonight is the kind of girl you want to look for. Young ladies, this is the kind of wife that you want to be. So this is good training for you for the future. So please don't just discount the evening and shut yourself down and say, you know what, there's nothing for me here. There absolutely is. All right, Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to pick up with verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he may sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word that he may present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man yet ever hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife. And the two shall be one flesh. Going all the way back to Genesis 2.24. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Uh, let's pray. Ethan, would you pray for us? Amen. 
Amen. All right, let's move forward here with our weekly review. And all we're going to be reviewing right now is some information that I went over as we began our study a couple weeks ago. Now, Mr. Schmig was here last week. If you weren't here last week, you ought to go online and listen to his message. He did a phenomenal job talking about uh, education and where we are today uh, as a country. But we can see that throughout history, uh, the family has always experienced conflict. Families have always experienced brokenness. But I believe as never before, we have an attack on the family. This is not moving ahead here, guys. So we can go all the way back to the garden and see the original attack that happened on God's first institution, which was the family. And that attack has continued, but it has accelerated. The Bible said just prior to the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, satanic activity is going to increase. Do we see that happening? All right. And we really see that attack coming upon our families today, especially here in America. We talked about what uh, uh, President uh, Reagan said about the family and how it's the very foundation of society and how it's the foundation of our family, of, uh, uh, of our freedoms. And I couldn't agree more with uh, President Reagan. Since 1970, we have seen an unbelievable spiral downwards in our families in America. It's been a, just a, a steady downfall. And here's some of the things that I went over last week. Uh, a humanistic, secular education, I believe, is one of the main reasons that we see this downward spiral taking place in our society. The unrighteous judges and court systems, we have perverted, immoral, and wicked governmental leaders. Isn't it interesting how you have to have investigators investigating the investigators now? There's just complete corruption across the board in our government. Uh, we have a society which has lost its moral compass, and all you have to do is go to Hollywood to see this. We have divorce. We have single-parent homes. We have dysfunctional families that now have become the norm. Ninety percent of men now in America, the latest statistics I read, 90 percent of men in America are viewing pornography on a daily basis. A daily basis. Now that just kind of blows me away when I think about it, but with the easy access that we had to pornography today, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. We have fornication and adultery. We have sexual abuse off the charts. Alcohol and drug abuse. Policeman that was here on Sunday talked to talk about the opi opioid. <laughs> opioid. Yeah, opioid. Can you take me off of live stream there somehow? Is an epidemic here in Jackson. We have poverty. 80% of homes that are in poverty today, the father's not present. We have homosexual marriage. We have carnality that we've never seen before now within the contemporary church. Less than half of the American households now contain a traditional biblical family. More than 40% of children are born into households where there is no father. The rate of non-married cohabitation is up seven times, seven times 
since 1970. Today, more than half of couples are just living together instead of getting married. Over half of all marriages are ending in divorce. The United States has the highest divorce rate in the entire world. Women under the age of 30 in the United States, more than half of all babies are being born out of wedlock. It's being projected that approximately 50% of all U.S. children will be on food stamps at some point before they reach the age of 18. Approximately 47% of all high school students are sexually active, not have had sex, but are sexually active. One out of 14 girls in the United States has a sexually transmitted disease. That's a shame. We now have 20 sexually transmitted diseases in America. Black women are more than five times as likely as white women to have an abortion. On average, there's 1,876 black babies aborted every day in America. 56 million abortions since 1973. There are more than 3 million reports of child abuse in the United States every year. Instead of being raised by parents, children are increasingly being raised by movies, televisions, internet, and video games. For example, the average young American will spend over 12,000 hours playing video games before he's 21, she is 21 years of age. The average teenager is spending nine hours a day on the internet or social media. Tweens are spending some six hours a day. The average teenager spends less than five minutes a day in conversation with their parents. This is an article that... uh, was sent to me uh, this week and uh, says America's next bright idea, abandoning monogamy, just giving up marriage altogether. Just let me read to you just a little bit of this article and then you could go online and read it for yourself. If there is no ultimate moral authority behind our happiness, by the way, I want to say there is an ultimate moral authority. But if there's no ultimate moral authority behind our happiness, these things make sense. The New Scientist recently ran a very scholarly scholarly article that asked the the, uh, starting question whether or not we should simply abandon monogamy as a social institution since not many people actually adhere to it anymore. The author, Jessica Bond, argued the lifelong commitment of two people to one another may be the fairy tale ending. An idea of Western society. Monogamy, now listen to this. Talk about stupidity. Monogamy is a relative modern development. Really? What happened to Genesis 2.24? But monogamy is a relatively modern development and hardly a sure path to happiness. Is it time we explore alternatives? The answer to that is no. Therefore, read this with me. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Sorry, marriage isn't a relatively new concept. 
This breaks my heart every time that I think of the fact that we have legalized same-sex marriage in America. But I want to tell you something. You listen to me, church. I believe this with all my heart. That because this has now become legal in America, this is going to be used to take away our religious freedoms. Notice this sign. Bigotry. Under religious liberty is still what? Because we believe in traditional marriage, biblical marriage. We are going to see our religious liberties under attack. I believe this is true. As a family goes, so goes society. Do you believe that? So if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? By God's grace, we can build them back up again. And so this is where we were a couple weeks ago. We were looking at the responsibilities of the husband and of the father. We just want to review these real quick. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ what? Love the church and gave himself for it. So marriage is a beautiful picture of Christ's relationship to his church. The church is called the what? The bride of Christ. He is the bridegroom. We are his bride. We are married to Christ. When were we married to Christ? The very moment we received him as our Lord and as our personal Savior. We're only waiting the wedding celebration one day. So Christ loves his church. He sanctifies his church. He cleanses his church. He nourishes his church. And he what? Cherishes his church. These are the five things that Christ does to demonstrate how much he loves us. And these are the exact five things that God tells a husband that he is to do towards his wife. He is to say it with me. He is to what? Love his wife. He's to sanctify his wife. He is to cleanse his wife. He is to nourish his wife. He is to cherish his wife as Christ does the church. Do you love your wife? If you love your wife, then you'll be doing these five things for her. And then we talked about the father's responsibility towards his children. Let's read this verse together. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, or discipline and instruction of the Lord. This goes to the father's responsibility. Now that brings us to tonight, okay? Tonight we're going to look at how to give your husband, if you are a wife, if you would like to be a wife someday, or God puts you where you can counsel a, a wife, what does your husband need the most? Now, how many here think they could answer that question right now before we go any further? Raise your hand if you think you could answer that question right now. I know what my husband needs the most in life. Okay? Not very many, few. Look, there was five or six hands that went up. And so let's see what the Bible says is the man's 
greatest need. Wives, what? Wives, what? Submit. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as you would submit to the Lord. I don't think there's one Christian wife here that would say, I'm not going to submit to Jesus. No, you'd say, yeah, I want to submit to Jesus. You're to submit to your husband as you would submit to the Lord. Now, let's finish this up here. And the wife see that she, what? Reverence her husband. What does your husband need the most? He needs your submission and your reverence. Say it with me. Your what? Submission and your Two things that are very difficult for a woman to give to her husband. So wives are commanded in the scriptures to submit. The word submit means to be under what? Obedience. To love, honor, and what? Oh, that was a weak one there. To love, honor, and obey. Ladies who are married, you are to obey your husband. Children are to obey their parents. Even a husband that does not obey the word, a wife is to obey him. Unless he may ask her to do something that would be contrary to scripture and she would have to disobey the Lord to obey him. That would be an exception. But she is to submit to her husband. She's to be under obedience. To be in subjection, to be, what's the next word? Subordinate. To be subordinate, to be under her husband's authority. What does a husband need the most? For his wife to what? Submit to him. All right. Now, can you submit to your husband without giving him reverence? Yes, you can. You can submit and do what he tells you to do and be stomping your feet and spitting at the same time. That's not the kind of submission that the Bible's talking about. It's talking about submission that is coupled with reverence. I'd like to read this. This is a quote that I came across. It is only as a husband and wife understand their God-given responsibilities towards each other and with purpose of heart, purpose of heart, give themselves to fulfilling these responsibilities that they will have a oneness of spirit and experience the wonderful joy of marital life. Love your wives, sanctify your wives, nurture your wives, cherish your wives. Submit to your husband. Reverence your husband. Who has the greater accountability here? The husbands do. So the husbands have five things they have to do. The wife has two things that she has to do. Over the years, my wife and I have had numbers of couples come into our office for marital counseling. And I can tell you exactly what's wrong before they even tell us what's wrong. You know what's wrong? She does not feel cherished by her husband, and he does not feel reverenced by his wife. Every single case. 
those who feel cherished and those who feel reverenced never come in for counseling. What does your husband need the most? He needs a wife to submit to him, not gritting her teeth or stomping her feet or giving one of those... The women are so good at giving. I can't even do it. But you ladies can. Mike, that was good. Now, I'm not, not calling you a lady, but that was good. Let's talk about reverence. What is it? What is your concept of reverence? And then how can a wife reverence her husband? Thank you for asking those two questions because now I can continue on in my lesson here. Reverence. Of course, we know the New Testament was written in Greek. This is what the word means in the Greek language. To feel respect for, to show deference to, to have a reverential fear of. Mm. We're going to come back to that with Sarah and Abraham. Does this go against modern day teaching? Reverence in the English language comes from a Latin word, and it means a feeling or an attitude of what kind of respect? Deep respect. You deeply respect your husband. Love, an awe, an esteem to regard with deep respect and affection, to honor, to give adoration. That's what the word means. Again, in just a minute, we'll come back to Sarah and Abraham. First Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through verse 6. Are you ready? Follow along as I read. Likewise, you wives, be in what? What are the thing the husband needs the most? Submission out of reverence. So we're going to marry those two together. Submission out of reverence. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husband, that if any obey not the word, what does that tell you about this man? Either he is completely carnal, backslidden, away from God, or he's unsaved. In either case, if any obey not the word, they may also without the word be one, one back to Christ or one to Christ, by the conversation, that means the lifestyle, the way the wife lives, by the lifestyle of the wives. While they behold your chaste, your pure lifestyle, conversation coupled with, there's that word fear, interesting. Who is adorning? Let it not be the outward adorning, the plaiting of the hair, the wearing of gold, the putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in which is not corrupt, even the ornament, not these outward ornaments of jewelry, but an inward ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God. See how it's qualified there? Who is your trust in? Your trust is in God. That God's going to bless your obedience. 
It's not in your husband, obviously, because he's not obeying the word. But it's in God. Who also trusted in God, they adorned themselves. They adorned themselves with this meek and quiet spirit. Being in, what's the word? I can't hear you, what? Subjection unto their own husbands, not other men, but unto their own husbands, even as, now Sarah up as an example of this. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him what? Lord. Wives, when was the last time you addressed your husband as Lord? Sandy, I want you to call him Lord Doug from now on, okay? Even as, Abraham, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and in this statement, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, do well by doing what? Having that chaste conversation, that ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, that submissive attitude. As long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Ladies, don't be amazed that God is asking you to do this. As you do this, God will bless you for it, and he'll bless your marriage. Because what does a husband need the most? Submission and reverence brought together in one. So let's just take a little bit of time to go through this. What it means to reverence your husband, as illustrated by Sarah's reverence for Abraham. First of all, she had the right actions. She was what? She was submissive. Is that hard to do, ladies? You want to know why? Goes back to the garden. Adam's loving leadership was corrupted and her loving submission was corrupted. That's why God had to say to her after the fall, your desire shall be to your husband and he will rule over you. Right actions. She had the right what? Attitudes. She showed respect. Verse 2 to her husband. She had the right adornment. She was a very attractive lady, by the way. Remember Sarah? I mean, when she was 90 years old, she was still a knockout. But she had the ornament of a what kind of spirit? A meek, humble, and what? Quiet. You know what that word quiet means? It doesn't mean a woman who never says anything. What that's talking about, that quiet spirit, is talking about a woman that doesn't flip out. That's what it's talking about. She doesn't flip out. She doesn't freak out. She's just, she's quiet. Kind of like a lake, you know? Calm. I'm going to tell you something. There is nothing worse than being married to a woman that flips out over everything. You know why this woman doesn't flip out? Who was her trust in? Remember the passage? Who trusteth in God. So she doesn't flip out. 
She's submissive. She's respectful. She has a meek and a quiet spirit. And then she gives her husband the attention that he needs, calling him Lord. Now, how's your submission? How's your respect? How's your meek and quiet spirit? Calling him Lord. I think this is true. And I want to talk to you young men who are, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. That is, if you find a good wife. Obtains favor from the Lord. I believe it is true. You watch the relationship that a young lady has with her father. And that's probably the kind of relationship she's going to have with her husband. My wife had a great relationship with her father. And we have a great relationship. Now, if there's any young men that are interested in my two daughters that remain, they are the most rebellious. I mean, they, they are disrespectful. You don't want any kind of interest in them. What's that? Okay. I just want to throw that out there. The Bible says for those... The Bible says for those ladies who are this way, submissive, respectful, meek and quiet spirit, even to the point of calling their husband their Lord, they are daughters of Sarah. I want you married ladies to stop right now for just a moment and say to yourself, am I a daughter of Sarah? If not, then you're sinning. In one of these areas, you're sinning. You're not giving your husband the submission, the respect or reverence. You don't have that meek and quiet spirit. And you're not to the place right now where you say, he's my Lord. Be daughters of Sarah and God will bless your marriage. So let's look at how a wife destroys her husband's manliness by not demonstrating a reverent spirit. First of all, is by expecting your husband to know what protection you need. The Bible calls the wife the weaker what? Vessel. Okay? As the weaker vessel doesn't mean that she's weaker mentally. I want to go right on record there. She is not weaker mentally. But the woman is the weaker vessel physically. She's the weaker vessel emotionally and even spiritually. Now, when you go into most churches, who will you see in the pews of most churches? Women. And yet the Bible tells us that men can, if they would be, actually the leader spiritually of their wives. And so listen, wise, I'm telling you right now, you are the hardest creatures in all the world to figure out. When the Bible tells the husband to dwell with his wife according to knowledge, that is like impossible. Unless you inform us And you tell us and you let us know the areas in which you need protection. 
that there's some demands that are being put on your life physically and you just cannot handle those, let your husband know so he can take that pressure off. Or if there's some emotional stress or strain that's coming on, tell your husband so he can help pull that off of you or even spiritually so he can surround you as your spiritual protector and lead you in that way. But keep your husband informed. This is the importance of having communication in marriage. Uh, I would say that lady's not communicating really in the way that she ought to be. Just expecting your husband to know what your needs are. Let him know. <clears throat> Next is by being financially independent. My account, your account, I control the money. Keep your hands off. Love is killed by self-sufficiency. This is one of the reasons why I do not encourage women, especially if they have children, to go out and work. Be a keeper at home. That's what the Bible calls the wife to do, to be a keeper at home. But love is killed by self-sufficiency. I have my money coming in. I don't need my husband anymore. Whoever controls the money usually controls the home. Now, who is to be the head of the home? Who? But most husbands relinquish the financial responsibility, like paying the bills, to who? The wife. That's why I always encourage young couples when they come into my office, give them a budget, I sit down with them and I help them prepare for their marriage. I said, listen, it's the husband's responsibility to take care of the finances. When we got married, I didn't know how to write a check. My wife uh, had a minor in accounting. She worked in a bank. So doesn't it make sense that Shelley should control the money in the home? Yes or no? I have no experience in doing that. But when I began to learn, this was my response. And all the pressure that she had upon her trying to pay all those bills when we had almost nothing. And I remember her having to teach me how to write a check and how to pay the bills. Honey, I'm asking you a question. Are you glad I took that over? I've watched this over and over again. The one who controls the money usually controls the home. Instead of the husband coming to the wife, it should be that the wife is going to the what? She's going to the husband. And that can be easily reversed when the wife takes over the financial responsibility of the home. So I'm sure that that's the case of some of you right here just by the looks that I'm getting right now. So wives, go home. Sit down with your husband. Let him know what the expenses are and turn over the control of the money to him. Give him the job that God intended him to have. Number three is by showing greater loyalty to outside leadership. Now, wives, who is your loyalty to? Your Lord. Who is your Lord? Your husband. 
That's who your loyalty is to. It's not to the pastor or other church leaders. It's not to other men or other women. And it's not to friends and family. Your ultimate loyalty is to your husband, not to your employer. To your husband. We go back all those years ago when we resigned from Napoleon and we left the church we had pastored for 16 years and the ladies of the church that stayed at Napoleon came up to my wife and said, oh, we want you to stay, but we don't want your husband. Well, I'm glad she stayed with me. Her loyalty is to her husband. Ladies, don't forget that. Your husband needs to know that you're loyal to him. Next, by resisting his decisions in your spirit. That's where he talked about you can submit, but you can do it with the wrong spirit, not with a reverent spirit. You're resisting his decisions in your spirit. A wife can control her husband's goals and ambitions simply by her spirit. She can just shut him down. You can review his past failures and kind of throw it back in his face. And then he loses his self-worth. This is just bad for both of you. I know it's a fleshly response, but don't go there. Number five, by taking matters into your own hands. Always wrong for a woman to take matters into her own hands. Even if your husband's going to make a mistake, let him make a mistake. Don't take matters into your own hands. Could give you illustrations of this, but time will not allow us. When a wife intrudes into her husband's responsibility, her husband will resist her. And he will resent her. You don't want your husband to resent you. You want to be able to speak into his life. He will not, he will not do, he will shut you off. You will not have a oneness of spirit. Do not become your husband's conscience. I had a couple in my office just last week and we were having counseling and she was trying to be his conscience and also trying to be his Holy Spirit. And I said, stop. She goes, what, what, what? I said, quit trying to be your husband's Holy Spirit. Never ever works when a wife tries to be her husband's conscience or his Holy Spirit. What kind of spirit are you to have? Meek and... Don't flip out. Don't stress out. Even if he's going to make a bad decision, he'll learn. Just duck and let God smack him right between the eyes. Learn how to wisely and lovingly appeal to your husband. Wisely and what? Lovingly. Appeal to him. And then you'll have the power of influence. Give him room to fail and remain supportive. Do we all fail? Do we all make mistakes? Do we all do boners? Yes. But just stay supportive. It's okay. We'll grow and we'll learn together. Next is by resisting his physical affections. The Bible says not to defraud one another. This can go either way but not to defraud one another. 
This is an unspoken crushing of a man's spirit when his wife resists him in this area. But by meeting your husband's physical needs, it's a powerful protection for purity in marriage. Don't use it as a weapon. Don't do it. It's, it's called defrauding. Do not defraud one another. Next, number seven, is by de- neglecting personal uh, neatness and appearance, even in your dress, just by letting yourself go, okay? Just let yourself go. I, I got my man, gonna let myself go. Dress modestly and in godly apparel. Amen? I'll tell you something, your husbands will appreciate that. Dress modestly and in godly apparel. You can dress attractively and still be modest. Give me an amen. amen. Absolutely. I believe my wife always dresses attractively, but she always dresses modestly, and I so appreciate it. Next is reflect femininity in your dress and also in your hairstyle. In your dress and in your hairstyle. Don't you think that men ought to look like men and women ought to look like women? Actually, Alyssa was just asking me this week about that passage in 1 Corinthians 11. Was that 1 Corinthians 11? About the woman wearing a covering and how her hair is her covering. But if she doesn't have... Long hair, she's to be covered. And how men are to have, what kind? Short hair. For if a man has long hair, it's a shame to him. So women are to wear their hair long, men are to wear their hair short. Reflects femininity and masculinity. Boy, aren't we, aren't we messed up today? Aren't we? Can't even determine what sex you are anymore. Or I guess you can choose which one you want to be. I just heard in Canada now, it's, it's, I think it's on your driver's license, you could be male, female, or X. God help us. Remember we talked about how a wife needs protection? Well, you can resent the protection that your husband's trying to give you. If your husband's trying to protect you, don't resist it. Say, you know what, there's a reason for this. I remember when um, we first moved. Now, I'm from the UP, okay? I'm from Lantz. Um, When we moved down here, uh, we moved into the metropolis of Napoleon, I kid you not. I'm like, there's too many people here. I'll never forget when I went out hunting. When I hunt with my dad, you may hear a shot somewhere off in the distance. I mean, through the whole season, you may hear one or two shots. I mean, way off. When it got daylight, I saw eight orange coats from where I was sitting. I'm like, this is crazy. And it sounded like a war was going on on opening day. (laughs) 
shortly after we moved down here, I forget who it was. Someone took us to Chi Chi's. I think that, was that the name of it? It was in Ann Arbor. Was that the name of it? I don't think it's there anymore. Chi Chi's, was that the name of it? It was a Mexican restaurant. My wife's, you know. And uh, so they took us to this Mexican restaurant. And then we went over to the mall. It's Briarwood, right? Briarwood Mall. I had never seen, I had never seen in my life women with pink and green hair. I didn't see that in the UP. I never saw men walking around with, like they fell into a tackle box. You know, things in their ears and nose and lips and, I'm, I'm talking men. And I kid you not, I'm here in this mall going, these people are freaks. I mean, I'm a youper. Eh? And shortly after that, my wife wanted to go to Briarwood to go shopping. I said, you're not going to Briarwood going shopping. Uh-uh. I said, you want to go to Briarwood and go shopping, you take all the ladies in the church with you. But you know, I really appreciate, she didn't give me a hard time. She just accepted that that was God's will for some reason. And I believe that God was protecting my wife just through my, I don't want her to go over there with all those nutcases. But listen, ladies, if your, wife, if your husband puts a protection over you, accept that it's from the Lord. Daniel. And we are done for the night. Daniel wheels great power <laughs> up there in the crow's nest. I'm glad there's not a woman up there working tonight. They would have shut me down a long time ago. <laughs> I did not push the button on that one. Oh, it disappeared. So share with your husband the things you struggle with, with the sins that you struggle with, with the faults that you have, and have him pray one for another. Don't ever keep secrets from your husband. You know what? Secrets are like water in a cardboard box. They have a way of seeping out. Ask your husband to pray for you. Tell him the areas in which you're experiencing temptation. This will just bring you closer together. Explain the pressures that you have to face so he can give you that protection that you need. Share the areas where you're being experiencing discouragement. Number nine is by not being content with what you have. You know what? When we're not content, we're going to be making all kinds of wrong decisions, insisting on all kinds of wrong things. Think that those things are going to make us happy. Godliness with contentment is what? great gain a discontented wife is a public rebuke it says to a husband you can't make your wife happy so be content with what God has given you number 10 is by not expressing gratefulness be grateful for all your husband has done and all he is doing for you let me see uh, can I read you my last text from my wife she had no idea what I was preaching on tonight 
this is how we communicate now. This is what she said. I love you. I'm so grateful for how you always take care of our family. Thank you for putting gas in my car. You're the best. X-O-X-O-X-O-X-O. What's X-O mean? It's going to be a good night tonight, I can tell. Listen to me, ladies. The number one reason, number one reason why men leave their wives for other women is because those other women are showing gratefulness. Showing appreciation. Is this the kind of marriage you want? Or is that the kind of marriage you want? I guess the choice is ours to make. Right? All right, it's 10 after 8, and we don't have time to go any further, but we'll pick up on this next week. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we come before you tonight, we thank you for what we've learned. I think we all knew all these things already, but it's just good to hear them again. Thank you for how your word just gives instruction and how it tells us as men to love our wives as you love us. How it tells the wives to reverence their husbands. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around here, is there anyone here tonight, I don't care whether you're married, not married, looking forward to getting married, but you'd say, Pastor, some things that were said tonight spoke to me. And there's some things that, by God's grace, with his help, I'm going to seek to change in my life. Here's my hand. Would you pray for me? Is there anyone? Thank you. And yes, yes. We have men and women both, young people raising their hands. Thank you. I want to change this. You young ladies that are not married yet, that hope to be someday, prepare yourself. You young men, look for these kind of women to be attracted to. Beauty is vain, but a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.